0: After 12 months of negotiating with the Broncos, David Fafita has defected to the Gold Coast. But has Rugby League's newest million dollar man made the right move? Does the 20 year old Titanic move south mean Brisbane has lost its aura? We reveal when Sonny Bill Williams' return to the Roosters will be signed, sealed and delivered...
1: I'm embarrassed for the people that sat out in that rain for 80 minutes.
0: An unhappy night's boss lets loose on his troops. The panel discusses if Newcastle's top four hopes are dead and buried. And we talk all things Indigenous round with Adam Elliott as the game celebrates one of the most significant weekends on the rugby league calendar. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. I'm Zach Bailey, stepping in for Katie Brown. I'll reveal shortly uh, why she's missing this week. But it's great to be back alongside two of the greats, <laughs> the Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Chambers and, of course, 2010 Premiership winner. I love reminding you that, Jamie Soward. Ten years this year. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, no grades to show. I've got more <laughs> than you, and so does uh, Michael <laughs> Chambers. Obviously, a big round in Rugby League this week. And, Sauer, you're a proud Indigenous man. Why does this round mean so much to all Indigenous Australians? Well, to think back when it started, you know, almost 11 years ago, it was a round that had come into the NRL.
2: Now, it it means a lot to a lot of people because you think about you're representing not only yourself but your culture and and where you come from as well. So some of my best memories were were Indigenous round but also those Indigenous All-Stars camps. And I think the game's never been stronger in a position where we've got the Indigenous leaders carried on from what Jonathan Thurston Greg Inglis has done to be able to pass that down to Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adaka, You see in the opener there, that's what it's all about. So I love Indigenous round.
0: Plus, I love hearing the meaning behind the jerseys as well and uh, how they come up with those designs. Chamus uh, such a great representation of Indigenous players in the modern game. Who can't
3: you wait to see in action this weekend? Oh, I think we saw a little bit of vision of him there, Josh Adhokar. Yeah, obviously, look, he's been down on form by his high standards, but... I imagine this week will bring the best out of him. He's such a proud Indigenous man. Sowie, obviously, there's been a lot... You mentioned a lot of players over the years who have been great ambassadors for the game, but also for their Indigenous communities. Thurston, Inglis, and we've got some some now with, with Latrell and Josh Adokar and Cody Walker. But for me, that infectious smile of Josh Adokar, if we see that this weekend against the Knights, be a good result.
2: I am waiting the popcorn Thursday night for Latrell to come back Indigenous round, what it means to him... Uh, and Cody Walker, I think that they will be cooking on Thursday night.
0: Well, I can't wait to see this man back in action. David Fafita, we'll have to wait and see whether he's back uh, for the Broncos this week. But the big news over the weekend, uh, David Fafita has decided to leave the Broncos after 12 months of negotiating with the club. He signed signed a monster three-year deal with the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, Sowie, is this the right move for him at his age? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, if you sit down and weigh it all up, I mean, obviously the coaching
2: would have come into it, but if you feel like you're not going to get any better as a player and there's money on the table, this isn't 500000 that he was going to lose over three years. This is 500000 per year. This is a lot of money. He comes off contract in three years, and if the Broncos have gotten their house in order, who's not to say that he doesn't go back to the Broncos? But the offer was just too good to refuse, and, and Brisbane got, uh,
3: sorry, the Titans got their man. Well, he can be the man, isn't that right? Like he goes there to, to build a club around David Fafita. That sort of money is a man you build... A, like, Look at Caleb Ponga, the Knights have invested in him. You, you see, this is what the Titans have done. And look, to be honest with you, as a back rower, he will never live up to $1.2 million because no back rower is worth $1.2 million in a salary cap of $10 million. But what he'll do in terms of attracting players there getting the best out of others, that's what the the Titans have paid overs for, not just the back row.
0: So if the money was the same, the length of the deal was the same, but the Broncos are flying at the moment in the top four, young roster, uh, no pressure on their coach, does he make a different decision? I think so. I I have no doubt that when he... So money's a big thing, but there's a lot more to it.
2: Yeah, I, I sit down and obviously the Brisbane Broncos have had the season from hell, but when you look at the decision that he's made, a lot would be to do with Anthony Seabold. If he doesn't think he can improve as a footballer, plus the results at the moment, and if you feel that disconnection from your coach, it's a big decision. But like I said, he's only gone for three years, which whether you read into it or not was the length of what Anthony Seabold had left on his contract. So uh, maybe there's a change in the offing, but I just think that the money's too good to refuse and they can go But the question for me around the Titans now is what do they do with Ash Taylor? Because... They'll have Fasumala Awi, Herman S.A.S.A., Foto Waker and Fafida in that forward pack. Young Clark is a work in progress at nine. They'll need a halfback or a halves pairing that can take advantage of that. So um, some big questions around Ash Taylor and whether it's going to be his team because that forward pack
0: is going to be up and coming and competing with some of the best in the league. We'll talk about the uh, signing of David Fafita on the Titans shortly, but here's what uh, Broncos board member Darren Lockyer had to say on Channel 9's Sunday footy show about losing David Fafita.
3: And Brisbane's comfortable uh, that they didn't want to go any further. They're comfortable with the
4: outcome. It's disappointing, but you're comfortable. Yeah, it's
3: disappointing, but we we gave our best offer um, based on what our salary cap... Uh, Looks like and where we want to go, you know, moving forward as a club.
0: So, um, we're comfortable, we did all we could. Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't good enough. And, of course, so on the flip side, Justin Holbrook, the Titans coach, he was over the moon with the signing of the rugby league's most wanted man. The best thing for me about, you know, why I'm so excited is he's already got some connections with our club. You know, he's played with some players, he's even in other new players we got signed, he's, he's already got, you know, relationships with them and he knows a lot, you know, enough about our club and enough about me and he's, he's, he's you know, ticked all the boxes and I'm just excited that he's joining us next year. So Sally this could result in a bit of a ripple effect. The recruitment is on track for the Titans. You mentioned Ash Taylor. If, if he isn't the answer in your eyes, who is the answer as the half or experienced elite half to play off the back of their good pack next year?
2: I think they'll have to make a decision this year to give Tanner Boyd and Jamal Fogarty a chance to play together. Or maybe Tanner Boyd and Ash Tatler because if Ash is going to be on a million dollars and also David Fafita is going to be on a million dollars, we know David Fafita is on an edge. He's going to have to get the ball but he's going to have, to have some consistency inside him. And you know, I look at that game yesterday, last play options for me, isolated, were poor at times from the Titans and Ash is going to have to live up to that million dollar price tag.
0: If not, they're going to have to make a move. Thomas, uh, plenty of talk around Mal Meninga's uh, position as head of culture of the Titans over the last few years or last year or so. It's been questioned uh, given their troubles. But does this signing alone justify his position?
3: Yeah, look, I think Mal Meninga's obviously built what they're starting to build towards now. It's taken more time than the Titans probably hoped that it would take. But David Vifida, does he go there without Mal Meninga's influence? I don't know. Look, I think we're sugarcoating here if we're saying he's going there for any other reason but money. Like, we could talk about Anthony Seabold and the Broncos' woes, but the reality is he's going there because they're paying a ton of money for his services. So, you know, Mal Meninga played a part in that. I think, you know, I think the former Broncos Broncos greats are right. There, There is a bit of... You know, the aura is gone about the Broncos, but did he make that decision because of any of the other reason but money? It's but if the, if the Broncos are flying, right... That surely that comes into it.
0: It has to. The other thing is, if they're in a, cha- if they're a, cha- in a premiership window, as he expected, they yeah, probably not. would be. They're
3: not. So he's, got, he's in a situation where he's got to make a decision right now based on where the two teams are at. But I, I wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos take a couple of years to get out of this. Like I know they're a powerful club, and everyone's expecting results now. Who's to say the Titans don't go better than them anyway? Look, so
2: the money is astronomical. We understand that, but they sit 14th and 15th. As a player, you sit down and you think, who's going to get the best out of me? Who's going to make me a better player? And I don't think David Fafita sits down with his family and his manager and says that Anthony Siebold is going to get the best out of me for the next three years. Justin Holbrook is a bloody good coach. He just needs some roster changes there in time to be able to see that through. The 14th and 15th, there's not much difference there in terms of performance. That would have to come into it that he sees Justin Holbrook getting
3: better, at, the best out of him in the next three years. Well, I actually commend Brisbane for not budging because, to be honest with you, he is worth that. he's not worth 1.2 to Brisbane. They've got Panguai Jr., they've got Payne Haas. He's worth what they offered him to that Brisbane team. He's worth a lot more to the Gold Coast Titans. So if Brisbane broke the bank, they'd be in a situation where they couldn't get a half to replace Milford or Brodie Croft if he's under any pressure to keep his spot. So I think Brisbane, unfortunately, have paid the price for paying overs for other forwards. Well, I think
2: if they're going to make a, a call on Ash Taylor that... They need an experienced half. Blake Green, James Maloney, other two phone calls. I'd be if I'm. Well,
3: Blake Green's, Blake Green's, James Maloney's not coming back. He's too busy enjoying life. In I'm the telling
2: you, Green. two years on the Gold Coast at a chance of turning that club around with that forward pack, I might even get fit. I was
3: going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. No, get coming. No. I a, won't,
2: out no, no, get
0: no uh, a big story that uh, Michael had in his column in the Sydney Morning Herald today. Luke Kirri, another wanted man, will uh, turn down big money to remain with the Roosters going forward. So we. Does that just show that a, a successful winning culture can influence a player's decision when it comes to having two big you know, offers in front of them? Yeah, why would you leave? Luke
2: Keery is the centrepiece of that organisation now after Cooper Cronk's left. I think it's been amazing what Luke Keery's been able to do since Cooper Cronk left and everything that they have in place. Their culture's so strong, their club... It's the club everyone wants to be a part of, that and the Melbourne Storm, those two powerhouses. And you look at Parramatta and Penrith this year, they are striving to be that. But Luke Keery could get a million-plus anywhere else takes less because he knows he's going to be in a successful system.
3: Well, there's 10 playmakers in the NRL who will get more than what Luke Keery will get his new deal. So that says a lot. And a lot of people would agree that Luke Keery is probably the number one playmaker in the game right now. So the fact that they get to play September football nearly every year, the Roosters, and he's got James Tedesco around him, he makes him look good. Well, He's worth, as we are discussing earlier, he's worth what? a million-plus anywhere else. But to the Roosters team and staying together, he's going to have to take a pay cut, and a lot of the Roosters guys do that. So, Well, look at Jake Friend. <laughs> he could easily start at a number of clubs. He's taken less
2: over the years to be able to keep that squad together. It's the way it has to be for a successful team. The
3: Roosters are good, though, at identifying what someone is worth to their team. Like Latrell Mitchell, for example, they offered him 800 and said, sorry, mate, that's what you're worth to us. You might be able to go and get a million elsewhere, and the West Tigers were willing to offer him a million dollars to go there. He didn't. But to the Roosters team, he's only worth 800, so they're pretty good at sticking to their guns about what they believe.
0: And they're an attractive club, especially for the likes <laughs> of uh, Sonny Bill Williams, who's mm. set to return. So Michael, there's been plenty of talk for the last week about him. What's the latest? Is it a certainty? When's he going to be uh, announced as a, a Rooster?
3: Yeah, look, it's, it, look, it's all but a certainty. He's got to obviously get to the country. He arrives, he arrives in Australia on Thursday. He'll start the 14-day quarantine period. So he'll start. To, I think, I think it'll be uh, mid-August that he's able to start training with the Sydney Roosters. So I think round 17 against the Canberra Raiders will be the game that he makes his debut. I know there's talk around you know, maybe a little bit earlier, but the Roosters are bringing him back for a push at the finals. There's no point risking him a week or two early. He plays a month of football, round 17 his first game. Get him right and uh, we'll see what he can do.
0: All right, all positive for the Roosters. Not so for the Knights. They suffered their second shock loss in five weeks. First it was the Cowboys then. Yesterday, it was the Bulldogs, and their coach Adam O'Brien wasn't a very happy man.
3: I'm embarrassed for the people that sat out in that rain for 80 minutes. It's not good enough. We got to work out what sort of team we want want to be and what we want to get out of this season because I feel like we think we're entitled to everything at the moment. Not, and they're not coming outwardly saying that they're entitled to anything. I've just seen that the attitude and our starts and our you know probably lack of complete I guess ruthless performances you know we've been really patchy so that to me tells me that you just think that things are going to happen.
0: Yeah he didn't mince his words there Sal-wee. Uh What does he want to get out of his players? What reaction if you're in his dressing room would you have this week?
2: Um, they move on straight away after a comment like that because he would have sprayed them in the sheds but I just can't help but think if that's Adam O'Brien talking to a Brisbane team, if that's anything to see, it's cut and clear as a player. You know you weren't at your best. And this is what I was saying about Newcastle. Whilst I think they're a good team, there's still a couple of pieces away. It may not be roster, but in terms of being consistently, I know they picked up injuries, but consistently with the top teams, they're just off the pace at the moment. They showed yesterday, and again against North Queensland, it's an attitude thing. Adam O'Brien is 95% happy with his team's attitude, but a couple of times this year they've rolled up against teams that they should be beating. If they win those those games, they're in third or
3: fourth. I know we argued about the, the Knights' credentials a little bit earlier in the season, but I still think they're a good football team, but I worry. The, last year, they started the year really well, too. And then at this point of the year, in the midway point, they fell away. You know, Mitchell Pearce, after Origins, sort of fell away a little bit. Kalen Ponga had some injury concerns. I just worry that the Knights are going down a similar path here. I, I still think they'll play finals football, but no McCulloch, no Watson on the back of no Braley. I'm not backtracking, Sia. I can see you <sighs> smoking the here. handbrake. I, the reality <laughs> is they've lost three hookers. Go to anyone who's lost three hookers and they're going to struggle, right? So... I just, I just hope they get it right quick enough. For Adam
2: this. O'Brien to be successful at the Newcastle Knights, for a team that has won three wooden spoons, I think, in the last five or six years, it is going to take time. It's going to take pieces. Kurt Mann's had a, a great season. How does he build off the back of that? You know, Jaden Braley went up there. How They're to get some luck with injuries as well. It's a whole
0: organisation pushing in the same direction. They're just not quite there at the moment. So if it's not personnel pieces, as you said, it might not be. What what are the pieces they're missing? Do they have them there? Are they knocking enough out of them? or? Well... Yeah, some question marks around Caelan Ponga and Mitchell Pearce in terms of being the strong leaders
2: that they are at the club. The two times that they've, their attitudes come into question, I have no doubt that Adam O'Brien is targeting those two guys who are the beacon for emotion and excitement and all that kind of stuff. You look to your highest paid players and your best players and that's those two guys. That trip to North Queensland was disappointing. But yesterday at home, there was no excuse to turn up. They did not adapt on the run. That's what he'd be upset with Mitchell Pearce. The attitude... You can get that out at training, but not being able to adapt and talk about the game plan they had, about turning guys under, kicking early, they didn't do that. That's what he'd be disappointed in.
0: Well, You mentioned loss of hookers. have had uh, Rory Cost-Jason, Slade Griffin, Jaden Braley, Andrew McCulloch, Connor Watson, all long-term injuries to their number nines over the last four or five years. Is the red pen going through the Knights' top four hoats, is Is the handbrake in full swing?
3: Um... Yeah, I'm going to write them off for the top four this year. But oh, I still think they'll play finals four. They're, they're going to struggle. They've got no hooker. Like McCulloch's been sensational for them. And Watson, you've been waiting for Watson to come back because you thought that he was going to be the spark that kick their finals run. I feel sorry for Connor Watson. He, he's had such a horrible run with injury. He's such a good player. And for the Knights, I, I think, you know, unfortunately, this year, they'll probably be making up numbers in the eight. They'll make
2: the eight. Yeah. They'll make the eight. Oh, look, the question marks might be over the eight if they continue to slide. They're going to have to either move Kurt Manning or young Randall as well. Tex Hoy, where does he come back into the frame? So their depth starts to get tested, like all teams. We're seeing so many injuries this year that the teams that have the best depth are going to win. But I think they fall outside the top six now.
0: OK, from a negative, are we going to see a positive in your sweet and sour this week? Sweet or sour this week? Yes, yeah, sweet this week. I think that
2: over the past... COVID's been such a a tumultuous year for everyone, but post-tri-celebrations, they're back. It's been a fantastic month. We saw some outstanding play over the weekend, but, I mean, that pass there from Dufty Dragons fans will be licking their lips at the prospect of those two guys playing together. But post-tri-celebrations, boys, I thought it was good. I threw out a couple through my career, but Aaron Woods, though, I'll give him a pass mark because he's trying to get it there, but his teammates wrecked it, much like Wendell Saylor got his moonwalk wrecked by Matty Pryor. Uh, on Michael Jackson when he passed away. So you've got to be careful with the uh, post-tri celebrations if they get wrecked
0: by the teammates. I love that uh, one from uh, Michael Ravalawa. And here we go, uh, the Eels, of course, on the weekend, they had a win uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Sivo, geez, he just keeps
3: scoring tries for fun, Chamis. He does, he does. I think the Eels obviously building something quite special this year and he's crossing the line quite a bit. I... I like the... Uh, I know you touched on Dufty. Jesus playing well, Dufty. I know that confidence has made a massive difference to him at the moment. So, yeah, good to see all these post-try celebrations.
0: And of course all of those, there's the coconut. How good Siona Katawa, geez, he can find the try line as well. All those post-try celebrations over the past month have been because of Sports Best Try July campaign. And thankfully, or or gratefully, they uh, raised $80,000 for the Men of League Foundation. So thank you for all the players and SportsBet for launching that great campaign. As we mentioned off the top, uh, it's Indigenous Round this weekend. We're lucky enough to be joined by one of the game's most passionate Indigenous players in Adam Elliott. Adam, thanks for joining us on Inside the NRL.
4: No, thanks for showing me on, guys. It's um, great. Looking forward to watching the NRL Indigenous round this weekend.
0: Sadly, uh, you won't be part of it, but why is this round so important to all Indigenous players?
4: Um, I think it's um, a really good show of how great our culture is and um, obviously a lot of stories get brought up about um, our family and, and people past that have gone before us and um, something that I think one thing that we have all in common is that we're very proud of... Um, the footsteps that have been laid before us and uh, I know myself it's, it's really great to have that round where it's just truly highlighted and we can really celebrate um, all the great people that have played our game before us but also bring the, um, you know, our family and friends in the community and make them feel a part of the round as well.
3: Adam, can you give us a little insight into what it was like, mate, when a few of the, the senior Indigenous players in the game met with Peter Valandis at the end of last year, at the start of this year? In regards to trying to work out the best way forward and, and mending relationships with people in and around the game, can you talk about that meeting and what it meant to the players and the impact it had on, on Valandis?
4: Oh, mate, honestly, um, I'll sort of skip forward a little bit, but when I found out he was the one that was in charge of obviously getting the game up and running again, I was very confident that it was going to happen because that meeting, I was really impressed by him, as, as were you know the likes of Joel Thompson and Latrell and other really... Um, big standings in the game because you know the, the way that he spoke about passion and his own experiences and how you, I could tell how genuine he was about trying to make a difference for us and um, really trying to build a strong relationship between us and a lot of the different media outlets. With you know the big issue at the time was Lat- Latrell's contract negotiations, and um, to see you know that he genuinely cared and that he, you know, he's obviously a very busy man, put such a big time away for us just to meet with him personally was. Um, it was really impressive, and obviously, um, yeah, you can tell that his reputation for me now is, um, you know, just of the utmost respect.
2: Adam, you're a proud Wiradjuri man, and you're also a new father as well. Congratulations! How much are you looking forward to passing on what you've learned about yourself and your culture to your son?
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm really, really excited. Um, to share, you know, everything I know and my old man's passed down to me, and, and he knows. But also my beautiful partner, Robin's Indigenous as well, and she's from um, up north, up in Darwin, and she's yeah from a they've got a mob up there, you know, probably bigger, big enough to have six different NRL sides. So there's um, a lot of knowledge that, that's going to get passed down to my young fella from her side of the family as well. And I'm just yeah so in the moment with him now, but also looking forward to being able to share those moments down the track.
0: Adam, you've got a brand-new baby. Have you been able to carry him around with a bad shoulder injury? <laughs>
4: I'm, 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 out, I'm not going to lie. I've had a couple of fumbles, and I'm lucky <laughs> I've got a good grip. I'm a left-hand carry on the field, so I'm used to the left-hand carry now. <laughs> I'm, I'm still... The missus has to sort of plonk him on my lap. But uh, once he's there, he's pretty sturdy, I think. So he's either going to be... <laughs> He's either going to be tough or stupid. I'll drop him that the
3: times before I am Adam, obviously, uh, obviously you're on the sidelines now and there's a little bit of talk you may have played your last game for Canterbury off-contract at the end of the year. Can you give us a little insight into what's happening? Because there's a bit of talk that you didn't want to make a decision until uh, Canterbury had made their decision on the coach.
4: Yeah, I think it was just um, probably a couple of years now where there's been that indecision around um, the coaching staff at the club and... You know, I have been didn't really have a choice as, as to what I did in the past because I was signed to the Bulldogs and obviously loved playing for the club. But it's um, been sort of a strange period for me. I obviously read the articles and hadn't even really thought about it. But when you know there was word that it could have been my last game, it really started to hit home. And that was when, yeah, like you said, I just wanted to know what was going on at the club. And it was not I hadn't even had a conversation with anyone at the club, but it was just between me and my manager that I didn't want to make any quick decisions um you know before i really knew what direction the club was going in um not that i wasn't happy with the, the current climate but i just wanted to know and have that clarity before i made obviously like, like we've just spoken about i'm a dad now and this is probably the most important decision i'll make um you know up to this point in my life so i want to make sure it's the right one
2: adam with the bulldogs announcing trent barrett as a coach for three years has he rung you yet or picked up the phone to see what uh, interest you have in extending your contract there
4: yeah, it was funny. We played a bit of phone tennis last week and um, I missed screened a couple of calls and then that's the same number kept popping up so I thought I better <laughs> give it a call back and it was me future coach so lucky I did. Um, but yeah, it was great for him to, to pick up the phone and call me and um, he just said that, you know, obviously he's excited to come and, and sort of told me the direction that he wants the wants the team and the club to go in and that I'm, I'm in that direction as well. So it was great to be told that I was wanted, you know, before he's even here and um, I guess, yeah, now it just comes down to really getting some clarity, speaking with my family, making the best decision with my manager. But on I'm, I'm, whether, whether it's me at the Bulldogs or not, I'm really happy for the boys that are there right now because Trent seems like um, he's, I think he's going to be the right fit for the place and it's, um, it's really exciting.
3: Adam, I know you probably can't give away a lot, but the options you have on the table, have you given great consideration to, to leaving the Dogs or are you able to shed light on where you could be in the next couple of years?
4: I, well when i was playing i didn't even think twice about it because you know I, i'm a bulldog and I was out there every week with my blue and white jersey on and um you know passionate about playing footy for us and winning but i suppose since i've been injured it's been i've had a lot of time to think and reflect and um, for me it's, it's something that had never been a reality probably in the past i'd always you know been a bulldog supporter since the age of four or five and the photos you know obviously with the young fella now my parents have been showing me old photos of when i was a little toddler getting around in Bulldogs jerseys before I even knew what the NRL was. So it's sort of something that's ingrained in me, but um, you know, it's something that I don't take light-hearted either. I've got to make sure that this next decision, I'm 25 now, so um, you know, if it's a two-or-three or a four-year deal, it's um, really important what I do, and I have obviously had a couple of offers from, and interest from other clubs, and I'm going to have to take that into consideration for sure.
0: Adam, unfortunately, you won't be out there on the weekend. The boys had a big win over the Knights yesterday. Can they get the job done this Sunday against the Eels?
4: Yeah, was, I was so pumped watching the boys. I thought they got off to a really good start. And um, the completion rate that we showed on the weekend was great. It's obviously um, something that we've sort of lacked. We've always had that fight and grittiness, but the polish is what we are missing. And I hope the boys can um, put something similar against Parramatta because we gave them a good run for their money in Round 1. And I think... Um, Yeah, the boys are looking like they're really fired up for this week. I think think they'll get the win. I'm going to put it
0: out there now. Uh, Bold prediction, hopefully, for your sake and all Bulldogs fans. uh, You are right. Thanks for joining us once again uh, on Inside the NRL, ahead of Indigenous Round. Good luck with the shoulder rehab, uh, dad life, and the contract (laughs) talks as well. You've got plenty on your plate.
4: Sure do, boys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, great chat there with Adam Elliott. Uh, Of course, uh, this weekend is Indigenous Round from one of the game's most passionate current game day players to one of the former greats of the game, uh, Maroons, Kangaroos and Broncos centre Steve Renoff uh, has taken the opportunity to speak to NRL.com about the topic of racism in Australia. Without a doubt, I, I I can tell you that now there is a racism problem in Australia and the people who will disagree with me it's probably one of them because they're the first ones to speak out. I keep hearing this, oh, you know, we've gone too far with political correctness, and that really irks me because uh, no, we're not. You got to understand where a lot of stuff that's said or said in the media or names of places or names of products and
4: where they were born from, and go back to where they're born from. they were born out of racism. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. My dream for them is that we can live in this country and we can live together uh, with, with everyone else. You know, we're all one. Um, we are one country.
0: Uh, we're all Australians. Yeah, some very strong and powerful words there from Steve Renoff. As a fellow Indigenous man, uh, he makes a fair point, but they are powerful, aren't they?
2: Yeah, it's, I could listen to him. Yeah, that's a great interview that you did. And credit to him for coming out and, and talking about how it is. We understand what's going on in the world at the moment and we're going to need strong leaders Uh, through all cultures, but especially the Indigenous and and Torres Strait Islander culture to lead us uh, out of this.
0: All right. The uh, full interview with Steve Renoff uh, will drop on NRL.com later this week. But it's now time for this week's uh, Casualty Board brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. And there's some good news on the injury front for the Canberra Raiders. Charns Nickel Klockstad will only miss one to two weeks after suffering a compound dislocation against the Rabbitohs. He only required minor surgery. As mentioned earlier, the Knights were hit hard in round 11. Andrew McCulloch ripped his hamstring off the bone and minutes later, Connor Watson ruptured his Achilles. Sadly, both of those players won't return this season. Looking at the Sharkies, halfback Chad Townsend's calf injury is a little more serious than first thought. The strain could see him sideline for up to four weeks. Jesse Ramian picked up a hamstring strain against the Dragons, so he's in doubt for this week. But he and his teammate Josh Dugan will be assessed tomorrow. Michael Cheekham has not returned to training after suffering a sickening head knock against the Eels. The West Tigers back rower went to hospital as a precaution but was cleared of serious injury. He'll be monitored this week while Luke Garner, Alex Twoll and Robert Jennings are all set to be fit for selection. In other injury news, Anthony Milford had his thigh heavily strapped at training today and was with the rehab group. He'll be touch and go for round 12, but in a boost for the Broncos, David Fafida had his first session back in the main group since undergoing knee surgery in April. Dragons duo Trent Merrin and Adam Clune will be required to pass HIA protocols in order to face the Rabbitohs on Thursday night. And in a blow for the Storm, Paul Momorowski may have played his last game for the club. The on loan West Tiger requires surgery on a torn tendon in his finger and that is expected to see him miss up to 12 weeks. That's the latest from this week's Casualty Board brought to you by Go Healthy Vitamins. And it's now time for Hit or Miss. We spoke about them off the top of the show. The Titans will make the finals before the Broncos do, Sowie. I'm going to say hit. I think that forward pack next
2: year can certainly get some damage. I'd be interested to see how uh, astute they are with how they spend the rest of their salary cap because a lot of it will be tied up in Fafida and Taylor, as we've mentioned, but I'm going to say hit.
3: I agree, Sowie. It's hit for me. And one guy we've all forgotten about. AJ Brimson. He's obviously been injured. He's back in the next couple of weeks as well. So I think with the signings they've made, with AJ Brimson, I think the Titans will be back possibly as early as next year.
2: Okay, I'm going to say miss, though, if Broncos change coach. I think if they have a fresh lick of paint, change coach, get get the best out of some of those young guys, um, I reckon it might be the opportunity.
0: You don't have to answer it, but does it matter who the coach is? At the moment, it does. Yeah, but anyone else but Anthony Sebold? Oh, no, I just think that there's a disconnect <laughs> between Seabold and the players. I think that there's... And
3: a th- fresh start.
0: A fresh start, yeah. OK, the Eels are almost unstoppable at Bankwest Stadium. Let's take a look at their uh, run home at home over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, round 14, they've got the Dragons, then they've got the Storm, uh, the Rabbitohs, the Broncos and West Tigers away, but still at Bankwest Bank Stadium. Uh, the Eels won't lose another game at Bankwest this season.
2: Miss. That storm game's gonna be huge. I can't wait for that already. But playing at home's not the problem for the Parramatta Reels. It's yeah, the grand final's not gonna be played there, but they've certainly got an advantage. They've learned how to play there. And uh, that try on the weekend for Mitchell Moses, that was just enterprising play. I loved watch I love watching Mitchell Moses play this year, but I'll say miss.
0: A few years ago we saw another number seven in the Parramatta jersey doing similar things. His name was Peter Sterling. <laughs> A few
3: years ago, yeah. <laughs> Don't start the number seven, Kirst. I won't, I won't. No, it's a miss for me. I um, I think the Storm game, that's going to be the big test. That's, we'll get a gauge of the real Parramatta this year. It'll decide the minor premiership as well. I think the minor premiership will be a, a two... Well, the, the Panthers are there, but I think it'll be the Eels or Storm. Whoever wins that game will win the minor premiership.
0: Wow, bold call. All right, the ninth place, West Tigers, who the Eels beat on the weekend, uh, will finish ninth again this year and miss the finals.
3: Yeah, hit. For me, yeah. I, have you seen their draw, Zach? It's not friendly. It's the next not friendly of weeks at all. Are okay, the next couple of weeks and are then fine. It very tough. Yeah, there's some games they're going to regret. They lost to the Titans. That there some games they'll regret. I think they have to play the Storm, the Roosters, the Eels. They, yeah, look, that finish isn't easy. Yeah, Roosters, Panthers, Seagulls with Tom Trbojevic back, Rabbits, Storm, Eels. For yeah, I, I think they've missed their opportunity. The Tigers. I like what they're doing. They're a better football team than they were last year, and Michael Maguire's doing a good job. But the draw's going to cruel them.
2: Miss for me. Yeah. I think they've just got too many injuries and they haven't been settled on their halves pairing. Uh, but it's good signs for them next year when they you know, pick up a few more players and work it out a little bit. Another year under Maguire, but miss for me. That draw's too hard. OK,
0: so it's actually I think it's a hit because the question is... Will oh, they, they miss the... Yeah, hit. Do you they think will, will they finish ninth again?
2: Or will they I hope lower? I hope not. No, I they'd think rather about, finish tenth, wouldn't they? <laughs> honestly... I don't think that, I think it'll be ninth or tenth because the teams that are below them aren't are any, gone. Are gone. They yeah. are gone. Gone. Okay. The Warriors. Uh, Todd Payton will be their coach next season. Hit. I think he's been fantastic. I listen to the coaches' press conferences every week and how he speaks and addresses about his players. Feels like they are all in the same boat. And I hate to harp on it, but as a player, when you listen to those press conferences, you need to know that. Your, your coach has got your back and you feel like it's all together. And He, he addresses them as young gentlemen and, and young men, so I think it's been fantastic what he's done. He's set a real standard. He knows the ins and outs. I think he will be.
3: It's a miss for me. I think that the Warriors will just want to start fresh, clean slate. Uh, look, Todd Payton's done a good job, but... But who's putting the hand up as the coach? Well, that's, if he does get it, unfortunately for Todd Payton, he might be in case of last man standing. Obviously, a few have pulled out, so uh, a lot will hinge on how he goes. He's got, obviously, the front running right now. He gets to prove himself, but... Gutfield's telling me that he won't be the coach next year. So if he's offered the, the
0: Cowboys or the Warriors job, which should he take? The Cowboys roster's...
2: Yeah, it's further ahead than what the Warriors one is. The Warriors are a full, complete rebuild from top to bottom. Yeah, they've gotten rid of Brian Smith. They need a full, fresh couple of coats of
3: paint, whereas the Cowboys probably just need a one coat. Is there any chance that he will end up back at the Cowboys? Oh, I know he's in the mix there. He's got a couple of options. I just don't know if Todd Payton's the first in line in either queue. So we'll find out over the course of the next eight weeks.
0: We saw some great battles on the weekend uh, across the game. A couple of hard men went face-to-face. Jack Hetherington, Jared Wariru-Hargreaves. With that in mind, what happens on the field should stay on the field. Of course, they didn't shake hands at the end of the game. Who cares if they shook
2: hands or not? Why would you shake hands after that little confrontation? I loved it. The theatre and the fact of Jack Hedlington, I know him, I know what his father was like playing for the Canberra Raiders, plays above his weight, and he took it to Jared Rhea Hargraves. And you know what? I think Jared Rhea Hargraves, despite not shaking his hand, probably respected him more for it afterwards. I love that in our game. You don't have to be friends with everyone in the NRL. You can, you can be upset, you can be emotional, you don't have to shake hands with everyone. I'm happy with both guys there. Eh?
3: No, I disagree, Sally. I, I, I love what happened on the field. Just shake hands at the end. Boy. Why, though? I think Jared, Jared Wir- Wiria- Wiria- Hargreaves is one of the nicest guys I've met in rugby league. I just think he will look back at that and regret it. In the heat of the moment, he hasn't shook or shaken nah. his hands. Maybe it was a COVID situation. I'm not too sure, but yeah, you know, he's, it's, well, it's, he's it's, hugging oh, hang hang right, I'm later. In each faces, squeezing their no, no, Look, look I, I, I just think that's Paul. What happened, It's happened. No. It's not like he did anything highly illegal to him in the field. He hasn't. If kicked he's it in angry, the he's head. angry. You're allowed uh, to be angry. We don't, we don't have to all good, shake. No. Hands. You're taught at a young age. You shake yeah. hands. I
2: walked off like in Canberra one year uh, when we lost on the buzzer down there for the Dragons. Didn't shake anyone's hand. Don't regret it.
3: Yeah, but you, you, it's, go it's go not like you brushed
2: into someone who came to shake your hand. Walk you walked straight, straight off. I
3: walked straight off. It happens yeah. in NBA all the time. But yeah. he, he came up to him to shake his hand. That's and he fine. Him. Oh, I think that's. I think that's Jared Weir Hargraves
2: will regret. Look, do you think Jack Hetherington's losing any sleep about Jared Weir Hargraves not shaking his? But isn't it just probably his
0: hero, mate? Isn't it to say, mate, well done, good battle? He's angry. You're allowed... You know what? You're allowed... The game's over. Okay. so
2: my last point on this. Everyone out there goes, oh, players laughing after the game and catching up with everyone. They've just been beaten by 50 points and we write reports on it every week. Then you see someone who's got a hot head walk off, not want to shake hands. Now you want it both ways. No, that's different. You want it both ways every week.
0: OK. One is is an image... Thing and Another is a sportsmanship thing.
2: Okay, the image thing I'm not concerned about because wins and losses is the image thing for me. The sportsmanship, if that's what you decide to do in that moment, he may regret it, he may not. I don't care about it. I'm talking about wins and losses. The Roosters won. Jared Rea Hargraves had
0: a good contest. Didn't want to shake his hand. Play on for me. Okay. on the flip side, we saw a debutant uh, take on Nathan Brown on the weekend. They did shake hands after the game. How good was that, Uh, Sean Bloor? He's a find for... The um, the Tigers, isn't he? Yeah, well, Penrith can't keep everyone.
2: But Sean Bloor understands it's his first game in 14 months. You know, it's a little bit different. Obviously, they've come together. But at the time, they weren't shaking hands. So... Not everyone has to be the same. You're allowed to be different in the world and you're allowed to express your own views and everything like that. You don't have to all be PC-friendly and shake everyone's it's hand. It's not pc I'm not shaking friendly.
0: your Come hand on. after the show, that's for sure. But I yeah. think it's a COVID. No, I just don't want to go <laughs> near <laughs> All right, we've still got one more hit or miss question. Of course, there was a report today that Gus Gould, Phil Gould, could be sworn into uh, Rugby League headquarters in a consultancy role to try and fix the issues there. Gus Gould is the man to fix the issues with the bunker. Hit or miss? Hit. One of the smartest men... Uh, brains in
2: rugby league history uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Gus and Wayne Bennett, I think that you know, when Wayne decides to finish coaching they could do a lot worse than get those two guys involved with fixing the bunker
3: It's a hit for me, but you just got to remember he can teach them everything in the world but if they're not pressing the right buttons or getting the decisions if he's not sitting there with them making the decisions all the time which he won't be, nothing's foolproof so I think he's the right man for the job he needs to be involved in the game, but it doesn't stop people making howlers
0: Alright, it's now time for this week's Power Rankings back.
2: This week's Power A, Power Ranking See The Canberra Raiders make their way back up into the top six after a couple of good wins, and they're doing it by committee. They're very, very gritty down there at GIO Stadium. They're not going to be able to finesse their way around teams. They're getting it done through the middle, and they start to get some troops back.
3: Yeah, they do. Corey Harawira, Naira, John Bateman will come into the team over the next couple of weeks. They're winning games at a period where we thought the injuries would cruel them, but it's going to count in good stead towards the end of the year.
2: I think this season is perfect for Ricky Stewart and his men. Us versus the world, that's what they're getting done at the moment. The Gold Coast Titans continue to struggle. They have some bright patches yesterday against the Penrith Panthers. Come up with some good plays at 7-6, but for me, not consistent enough. Justin
3: Holbrook, he'd be frustrated by his 7-6 last play options. Yeah, you're right, Sally, but I'll tell you what, Justin Holbrook will be happy that when they conceded early, they didn't give up, and Gold Coast teams in the past have given up when the going gets tough they took Penrith to the wire and they they put in a good performance.
2: They could have won that game yesterday just if they were a little bit more finesse and a little bit more patient. The last two weeks, I've rated the bottom five teams on terms of effort and saw the Canterbury Bulldogs who have tried hard all year. Yes, they've been blown out a couple of times, but yesterday they got that reward for Steve Georgialis. They went up to Newcastle, and they got a much-needed win, not only for the playing group, but for the supporters as well. I loved what I saw from the Bulldogs yesterday.
3: Yeah, the Bulldogs obviously always play with such great effort. You add a couple more troops to that team, and there's no question in the culture and and effort that side. You're confident about what Trent Barrett can do if he gets the right men in the right places.
2: Nick Meany, Kieran Foran, they had some very good performers yesterday. They all stood up and competed as a team. Make sure you keep an eye out at nrl.com every Monday
0: at midday for the Power Rankings. Oh, this is uh, my favourite time of the show when I watch on each week and I love it when I get to host <laughs> it. Uh, this caught my eye out at Cogra over the weekend. Champ or Chump, of course, we had a couple of Dragons players uh, who weren't available. So there they are on the side. They're clapping in their suits and their chinos. 20 minutes later, they're ball boys in their suits and chinos. What's doing? Surely they need to get in a good kit. That's Cody Ramsey. I know that young man. Uh, interviewed him a couple
2: of weeks ago. He's a very, very good sword. He's got the hair slick back. Champ for me. He looks like he's going across to the Leagues cup afterwards. <laughs> Champ.
3: Champ, get dressed. Get dressed. I think I saw Tristan Taylor a few weeks ago dressed in the same attire. Quickly put some trackies on and go for a run.
0: They is care it? more about their appearance than you do. Uh, Eight-day haircut. What's I doing? Need one. I need one. I need one. I watched You're last week. The popping out. Mate, <laughs> you were copying it left, right and centre. Every eight days a haircut. About nine if I'm lucky. Like Speaking it. of haircuts, uh, I absolutely love Tyrell Fui Maiono's haircut at the moment. Uh, he's already a scary enough player as it is. That just makes him look even scarier. Of course, he scored a try for the Dragons on the weekend, but the next haircut we're about to see—Sowie, yeah—the Titans back rower, oh, <laughs> Jai Arrow, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> champ oh, or jump?
2: Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, that's a jump. That is jump. I love Jai Arrow. He's he's playing really hard this year for the Titans, but I can't I can't celebrate
3: that. That is the greatest chumping we've ever had in the history of the show. That is the worst haircut I've seen in rugby league. I think Andrew Fafita had something similar a few years back. It's disgusting.
0: I think, do you think he's just getting his rebel out of his system before he arrives at Redfern <laughs> next yeah. year? Because Uncle Wayne will go, sorry, mate, here's the, here's the Clippers, oh, it's, it's coming off.
3: It's embarrassing.
0: Uh, one of the uh, biggest personalities in the game, Brandon Smith. He can't wait to see Sonny Bill Williams back in the game. Here's what he had to say on Triple N, Triple M across the weekend.
2: He's a kind of a hero for me. And um, if I ever get to play against him, it will be a real real special opportunity and try to take
4: his head off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You had him on the show here a few weeks ago. He's a great personality. Do you you like the fact that he's already talking a tough game? My favourite
2: player in the NRL to watch. Uh, Yeah, why not? Champ.
3: Good. I wonder if he'll,
2: he'll
0: never get a chump from me. He could do anything on this show. I will champ him every time. <laughs> All right, He was a great chat a few weeks ago. Uh, here's my champ of the week. Am I allowed to have my own? Go for it. Of course, uh, Connor Watson ruptured his ACL, uh, not his ACL, his Achilles yesterday, which was sad for the Knights uh, hooker. But he fronted up to media this morning on his crutches in a moon boot as he spoke about uh, the Boots for a Brighter Future initiative. Now, so many players these days will do- dodge the media whenever they can, but that just shows. Uh, how important this cause is for him. Uh, Tanisha Stanton, now NRL.com reporter, will have a story uh, on his, that initiative um, later this week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, there was another champ of the week, though. Of course, we've seen the Bunnies hand out a couple of uh, debuts in recent weeks uh, Jackson Paulo, Jack Johns, the son of Maddie on the weekend, uh, but they weren't alone. He's the newest Rabbitoh.
3: Another girl who you work closely with, and I work closely with when we're on television together, but she's coming in, she's really worked her ass off to be here, and she's put in so much
4: effort, and I know you'd be proud, but Katie Brown.
0: There she is, uh, Katie Brown with the great Tasha Gale, uh, women's rugby league great, getting presented her debut jersey for the Rabbitohs. And guess what? We're lucky enough to be joined by now on the line. Katie Brown, how is (laughs) Cloud9? I knew
1: you guys were going to get me. Look, it's great. My first game was great. It was so fun. I feel like I should quit my job as a journalist and maybe just, like, put... 24 hours a day, seven days a week into becoming a footy player. Well, it sounds like you have. You've <laughs> played one
3: game one game of foot in your life and you've taken a day off. Unbelievable. Hey, what about you here? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought you'd be hopeless, to be honest <laughs> with you. I did. I thought, I thought you got into the team because you're Katie Brown, the celebrity, but you've aimed up here. Unbelievable. I spoke to Dean Witters yesterday and he said when you came on the field, you lifted the
1: team. Oh my gosh, you're so- me to make i guess <laughs> gave yeah, you cool. a wrap yeah, cool. you've never seen you've never seen me play sport, so i guess you would only seen me put a cake face on and be a presenter um yeah thanks i had heaps of fun i mean i did drop the ball in my first kid up so that sucks but uh other than that i reckon i ran pretty hard i had a go had a dig
0: you definitely yeah. had a dig who would you compare yourself to in the nrl or nrlw katie
1: oh Look, I don't want to talk myself up too much, but I am a lot like Jason Tamalolo.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the wrecking ball coming off the
2: back fence. <laughs> Katie, how, how nervous were you? That, that's great footage, and we know how hard behind the scenes you've worked, but how nervous were you and how excited are you to get another opportunity if uh, Dean Witters backs it up with the selection this week?
1: Um, I don't think I was too nervous on the day. I was more nervous in the lead-up because I trained so hard, so I was just... I had a lot of anxiety that I wasn't going to make it and I think that's what I was more worried about because then I started second guessing if I had done enough to be in the team and that maybe I was just terrible at sport and I never was going to play. So I think it was more of a relief when I got to put on the boots and the jersey and get out there.
3: Katie, NRLW, is that the goal now? What are we thinking?
1: No, I'm not that standard. (laughs) Let Let me pump out a few more. Uh, Harvey normal women's premiership games, and um, look, I'm probably past my use-by date, so I reckon this is probably the standard I'll play. But yeah, had such a good time, I and the girls helped me help me look good
2: out there. Katie, I remember my debut. I was very, very nervous, but you spoke about your anxiety. What happened before the game? Because Dean Witters the coach, actually snapped you uh, in a compromising position just before the game.
1: <laughs> Did he? Oh yeah, the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like wait what happened no we got to the to the game and the guy said to me that the toilet the women's toilets couldn't be unlocked so i had to duck into the men's because i had to i was nervous i could pee before i played oh <laughs>
0: fair enough now katie there are a few rumors around as to why you aren't in here today is it because you're you are a little bit battered and bruised or is it because you're out taking too many selfies and signing too many autographs after a stellar debut
1: oh my god guys come on this is such <laughs>
2: You should be very proud of yourself. That was that was very very good. That footage
0: and raw talent that can be coached. Zach. But
3: hey, forget Joseph Sawali. Katie Brown. Oh.
0: Sort of moment. <laughs> Katie, uh, congratulations on a great debut. Hopefully, um, you're back here in the hot seat uh, next week.
1: All right, thanks so much, guys. I've got an extra day off. Also, don't be too good at my job. You're doing a very good job. I've been taking notes, Zach.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Of course, uh, you don't want to come back to work next week by the sounds of things. (laughs) It's been fun. But as I said, uh, congratulations. Uh, We'll see you at work tomorrow.
1: Thanks, Jen. Appreciate it.
0: A great achievement, and she has worked hard. I don't know if you remember, Chamus but I think it was about a year ago, 18 months ago, Sowie, um she had a bad ankle injury, had surgery. The doctor said she may never run again. She's had an ankle rico or something um, like, yeah. like that. Yeah, so uh, really hats off to Katie Brown. Uh, she's uh, as tough as nails. Um, speaking of as tough as nails, Robbie Farrar, Brett Camorley, they're going to have to be as tough as nails when I uh, host ins- uh, <laughs> NRL teams tomorrow. Uh, right here on NRL.com, 3.55pm. We'll have all the latest team news ahead of Indigenous Round. Uh, we're on air five minutes before they drop at 4pm. Now, gents, uh, a little bit rusty. Uh, if I do get my chance again, if Katie doesn't return, I hope I'm welcome back. Thank you uh, for having me for Inside the NRL. Thanks, mate. It's been Appreciate good fun. It, get a haircut. As I mentioned, it is Indigenous Round this weekend. Here's our little teaser ahead of a cracking weekend of
4: footy. Yeah, I just think for me and Katie, we're not going to stop doing it
0: I think people love, in our culture, people love seeing it live on.
4: When G.I. and J.T. retired, it sort of started up the conversation that we're losing indigenous leaders amongst the NRL, and there's a lot of powerful people that can still influence the younger generation. Nice being picked up here by Meadow I think one of the biggest things that we've lost in
2: our people is our identity and, and, and our reconnection to our culture. There's a lot of things that's you know, a
4: long way to go you know, for our culture to be even recognised as equal. As soon as you stand up for yourself, I guarantee you, the people have been most to you.
1: Mitchell head
4: down, burrowing. Then the sprint from Robert will go all the way. Oh, he's got those little subtle touches, hasn't he, Tyron Peachy? No one will get near Dane Gagai to feed up. He gets to Holmes, he leaves him behind David for Fita! He goes to Gramian! He comes down there the old, Great leap, great catch! And it's Whiten!
2: We just want to do the mop proud, so represent, baby! <laughs>